So welcome to the Red Hand Podcast. I want to start with a few quotes from the past few days that have appeared in our media to provide some context and indication of the situation Ulster Rugby have found themselves in. So just before recording, we're talking about the comments of Stephen Ferris. Here's what he had to say about it uh, during the week. I can't take any more of this. Really disappointing as an Ulster fan and someone who follows them week in, week out, that rut is getting deeper. Take out their mall. They're offering nothing in attack. They can't hold on to the ball well. Their multi-phase seems to be all over the shop. Defensively, they're just not sound. I can't just point my finger on something that's not making Ulster click. There are so many different things. So that's uh, Stephen Ferris. And then, in, in sort of in contrast, Dan McFarland said after the defeat, I'm very disappointed, but proud of the way we came back and got two points from it. So if you switched off your TV at half time away to Leinster all those weeks ago, and you've avoided all Ulster rugby related media for the past sort of six weeks, you could be forgiven for being confused at those comments. The coach of the Ulster squad, which contains a World Cup winner, British Lions, a whole host of internationals, and some of the most exciting young talent in Ireland, is proud of two points against Benetton. If you didn't see the game, Ulster lost 31-29 to Benetton in Treviso in the dying moments of the game. There was a large error count. We turned the ball over. We seemed frantic in attack and disorganised in defence. Ulster lost the run of the game before starting a late fight back. They actually went in front briefly but couldn't see the game out. It's a pattern we've seen repeatedly. Now, in terms of Dan McFarlane's comments about being proud, I'm not being sarcastic here, I do think Ulster deserve credit for making it a close contest after being so poor for much of the game. Uh, but there were there were moments of positivity and um, they did fight back. So credit where credit's due. But remember, Benetton have not beaten an Irish province since 2017 and haven't beaten Ulster in over 10 years. I think it was 2011 last time uh, they beat Ulster. So an interesting contrast in, in terms of Dan's comments. Dan McFarland may have been spoken to by the higher powers at Ulster after the Munster match and told he, he has to take a different approach other than lambasting the team after their games. That's fair enough that that approach really didn't seem to work either. So pressure is ramping up on those responsible to find answers fast. To try an answer or at the very least discuss some of those questions, I'm joined by a great panel. So we have Nathan, Ian and making his debut on the podcast, Tom joining us tonight. So I want to turn to Nathan as we often do to sort of give us a bit of a summary. So Nathan, last week we talked about how important this game was for Ulster's season. So where does this loss leave Ulster now? To be honest with you, Peter, coming away from that conversation last week, I kind of thought, you know, it really wouldn't surprise me if over these three games, Bennett and the two European ones, Ulster come away with one victory and it's Europe rather than Benetton. <laughs> it would be very Ulster to now to go down and put in a massive performance against La Rochelle and only get one win out of these next three, but still, you know, lay an egg at home to sail. But um, oh, in terms of where it leaves the season, we were kind of doomsdaying it, saying a loss to Benetton would be, you know, not quite the final nail, but it would be not a great look considering the the Munster games and ne- nearly slipping up to Connacht and, and, and you know, everything else that's gone on. Um, I, It doesn't feel as doomsday as I thought it might to be honest and maybe that was because of the performance um, and the fact that they did get two points and you know looking at the table they they slipped down to fourth but they're a point behind the Bulls um, and they played a game less Ulster so you know there's that um, I think you gotta look at what's ahead I think discount Europe for now because I, I, you know you can't see them going around and getting a result in La Rochelle um, so if you look at how they're gonna get back into and try and get a home draw in, in the URC uh, playoffs 
Uh, they've got a home game against the Stormers after Europe. That's got to be a win. And then we're into Six Nations. And there was the news during the week that they've got to go down to South Africa on the same day that Ireland play Italy in the Six Nations, um, which, you know, this time last year when Ireland played Italy, a few of the Ulster boys got a run for Ireland. So it might be a few Ulster boys not there uh, for that trip. And that's that's a uh, a three-week run of Glasgow away, uh, the Sharks away and Cardiff away in the middle of the Six Nations when, you know, at least two or three lads won't be available. Um, you know, they might have a few more at, at their disposal. We'll find out next week with Ireland selection. Um, so that you look at that run without a first team, and the, it doesn't feel like the end of the world now that Benetton result. But you look at what's to come, and Ulster have you know um, they finish off with it with three games against Bulls, Dragons, and Edinburgh at home. That should make life slightly easier. But that Benetton that that Benetton result could come back to bite them. Um, probably during the Six Nations when they go through that pretty tricky run without their first choice players. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like we did talk about it, and uh, it was Caelan after the Munster game painted a particularly bleak uh, picture of what would happen if Ulster lost uh, against Benetton. And I sort of uh, sort of laughed it off and thought we won't we won't get, like we'll win against Benetton. It, it's the performance I'm looking for, and then to not get the the win, albeit it was a game very tight margins. But and Benetton are not to be underestimated, a, a good team at home, but even still uh, disappointing and leaves us in a difficult position. So I want to turn now to you, Ian. Uh, was there a sense of I, I know you watched you. I've been watching Ulster for many years and there's this pattern has emerged more recently. Was there a sense of inevitability about this result given the trajectory over the past sort of six weeks? So talk us through your thoughts maybe just before and, and during that game as well. It must have been a bit of a roller coaster watching it. Right. Um, yeah. Um, I wouldn't say a sense of inevitability. Uh, there was a, 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 from me for, for, for sure, there was a sense that uh, Ulster could um, go down there and and get the win, uh, albeit um, you know there there is this issue of whether it's confidence or loss of form. Uh, I still thought that we had the capabilities of, of going down there, uh, and that's not to discount uh, Benetton's um, uh, abilities, particularly at home. They have become very difficult to beat at home. Now they do get beat for sure, uh, and on another day, I think we would have won that game. I, I, you know, there was there was just a uh, a, a few things obviously that everybody else has, has highlighted and talked about, but for me, the uh, two big uh, turnovers that that left us chasing way way back into our into our twenty two from basically in their twenty two, uh, and that would have ripped the heart out of most teams. Uh, and Benetton were able to conjure up scores from those. So you know. I'm not saying tech goes out and everything's rosy, but um, I think some of the issues are fixable. I thought we were better than we were against Connaught and Munster. Um, so there is an improvement there. Um, whether we can continue that improvement over the next uh, block of games, that's difficult to say because they are, in each of them, they're all, they are different games. Um, so during the game, there were times when I felt, you know, even when we when we went behind, I still felt that we had the capabilities of getting back into the game, and we did. Um, very very disappointed and annoyed at uh, how we how we gave away the the uh, the penalty to uh, to allow them to kick, uh, and you know they get the benefit of a in off the post as well. So you know we bit gotten, and then even then we could have come back 
uh, with a, a bit of smarter play maybe towards the end when, when uh, Stuart Moore had the ball. Uh, not sure what he was trying to do, whether he was looking for, for, for the little gap to get through and then release Balakun. Um, it's difficult to know, but the... the um, uh, uh, the way the way it sort of finished was was gutting and, and disappointing. It certainly was, Ian, and uh, mm-hmm. putting it lightly, I suppose, just because I think I think that by itself that result would have been gutting. But it's the fact that, that we're seeing this pattern emerge and the, the inability to sort of uh, see out games, which is is mm-hmm. very frustrating. So, um, Tom, I want to number one welcome uh, onto the pods, um, and we had a bit of a chat there before we started, and like uh, you you take a very balanced. View but tell us was there anything positive to take away from this performance uh yeah you know our start to the game i thought was exceptional um first 10 15 minutes our tempo and more importantly our accuracy both in our carries and in our clearing of the rook and moving the ball everything was on point back to where we were um you know last year and the start of this season um you look at eric o'sullivan's try you know good kick from cooney Accurate, good kick chase, good defensive line, good carries from uh, Stu Mack, from James Hume. And even when James Hume was hit and hit hard, his positioning of the ball allowed a quick ruck, a quick clearing of the ruck. Timoney, exceptional carry, broke the gain line. And then um, Eric O'Sullivan's line for try was just sublime. And you're there thinking, OK, we're back, you know, let the good times roll. And then it was like just a switch went. And for the next period of game, inaccuracies were kicking too long. Um, our, our defensive line on kick chase wasn't together. Um, if you look at the first try, we con- uh, the try we conceded, uh, you know, our, our internal defense, which has been a major issue since the Leinster game, came back to bite us again. And suddenly, from a game that we were totally controlling, we handed control of that game back to Benazon. But then we go back to our strengths, you know, two great malls, great try, Rob Herring, and then an absolutely superb mall that forced them to take it down illegally. Uh, penalty try, back in our own hands. All we had to do then was be accurate, both in defence and when we were on the ball. And as uh, Ian said there, the, the gutting thing was that penalty, you know, we all know late in the game, you always tell the players, you be squeaky clean. You take that extra half a step, you know, you, you don't mess with the offside line you don't give the officials uh, a chance to blow you up and just to give away that was just you know it's a bit it sums us up for the last uh, three or four matches some yeah. brilliant stuff but some absolutely you know coach killing moments yeah. So, yeah. yeah tell but, me uh, tell me this tom do you, what do you think of the uh, this this idea that was floated um earlier in the week that um perhaps fitness levels are not where they should be and that coming into the last 10 minutes of, of a game um your 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 overall fitness affects your judgment mentally as well yeah you see it's not a, just a simple thing of saying we're not fit enough the problem is we've shifted our game from we used to play we're playing now a lot of kickball off a of nine and we've a heavier pack so if your kick game off nine is an accurate team, that means your heavier pack is doing a lot more running well they're doing a lot of running that's for sure yeah mm-hmm. but then 
if you're kicking it back to the opposition who recognise that you have a heavier pack, it means your kick chase and your defensive line has to be on point. And if you've got guys that are blowing because they're chasing that 10 yards further than they should or that has been planned, then mistakes happen. And I think even looking ahead to next weekend, we have to go with a 6-2 split on the bench because we just don't have the eight forwards carry us through a 70-minute shift anymore. You know, it's it's the transition our game. And even with Kitoff coming in, we're sh- shifting from, if you go back to maybe a season and a half ago, look at all those little chip kicks and cross kicks Billy Burns was putting in for tries. It's not happening now. Most of the kicking is coming off either uh, John Cooney or, or Nathan Doak. So that means if they're not accurate, our pack is putting in a heavier shift hmm. and our defensive line has to be impeccable. Yeah. Can I, can I bring in Nathan here? Yeah, just quickly. Well, I just I find that fascinating because um, if anything, I thought the fitness levels I was going was like before you made that point. I thought they were impressive that Ulster still managed to get one last attack and go down the right hand side and our a deliberate knock on that was judged backwards instead of forwards away yeah. from scoring the try with 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 yeah. and I think Nathan Doak was critical in that phase playing at ten. And yeah. um, I thought him and Cooney linked up really well. So the fitness and there were forwards involved in that. So I guess the fitness yeah. there was okay. The mental fitness and decision making with offsides is probably yeah. a different issue as is the the kicking game but i i billy, billy kicked a lot of, a little bit more this he didn't kick massively but he did kick a little bit more this weekend i than i thought than usual particularly that first half um you know jacob it wasn't just billy but you know jacob got on nearly got yeah. on the end of a little chip in behind from mikey yeah it was, lo- yeah, was a lovely play yeah yeah, there were a couple, and Billy, and in in that first ten minutes, there were a couple of times Billy just said, "Right, we're on the front foot, but we're gonna we're gonna kick here," and they kind of nearly came off, but they always came off positionally. And um, that disappeared a little bit in the second half. But so I agree that 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 shift is gone, and we're not having the conversation about Billy Burns being an excellent kicker out of hand as much as we were. But yeah. I I don't know, there was just a little bit more I thought on the weekend than than we've seen this this season. But I I, I do agree that it's something that they've gone away from. Yeah, but we seem to be going you know, towards a bigger pack. And you definitely need power at the top end of the game. But it's a transition phase for us until we get that balance where we have, you know, the accuracy in our game that allows us to do that. You know, we're probably one of the few provinces in Ireland that can go toe-to-toe when we have everyone available with the big boys, um, size-wise. But there is a trade-off for that. And the trade-off is the guys like Jordy Murphy and that who can get around the pitch and be link players and lead your defensive line on a kick chase. You know, you're you're losing them and you're relying then on the likes of Dwayne and Nick Timoney, etc., going hard for longer. And I just don't think the accuracy was there in our kicking game. Um, and it's, you know, it was more evident against Munster. You know, at 66 minutes, it was like someone hit a switch. Um, our pack hit the wall, especially Ian Henderson hit the wall, and he was immense against Munster. And suddenly Munster were, you know, making huge inroads because our defensive line, even if you look at Jack Crowley's break, you know, stepped a, an absolutely shattered Hendo. And then he was faced with two front row players, you know. It, it's they're the little inaccuracies I'm, I'm talking about. If you look at their first try, Billy Burns shot up and there was a dog leg between himself and James Hume. And all the out half had to do was ride Burns' tackle. But he, he, he wasn't helped by Cooney there. I, I, I thought watching yeah. that back, 
Cooney needed to push Burns out one because Cooney had Cooney had the first the twelve, and they ended up going in the same. But you're right; it's 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 those inaccuracies are just killing them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even even from a mental uh, standpoint, so you've got uh, the opening few minutes, as as you say, Tom. They they started actually pretty well, and there seemed to be a bit of. uh, I think the team talk must have been McFarland must have used up one of those hair dryer treatments just before the game, (laughs) and they came out and they 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 did well, but then mentally how draining is it whenever you get a bit of territory and the, the line out malfunctioned a couple of times and you're right back where you in fairness they eventually got their try but even later in the game they're coughing up the ball and, and losing possession do you know uh, and, and after the pack has put in such a big shift and I just yeah, yeah sorry Tom sorry uh, Peter. that's just down to those last you know ball a few ones we coughed up um, and Nathan is right that that was that should have been actually a penalty try tough um, when you look at it back and we suffered because of these new laws in world rugby where they don't want TMOs looking at you know that's a story for another day but if you look at the, the couple of turnovers before that and something Ian mentioned they were just poor clear out players not you know being where they should be um, taking the wrong player identifying the wrong player in the ruck not identifying who is the danger man and you know, they're they're just simple concentration issues, you know, and at that stage of the game we had uh, a replacement front row on, so it shouldn't be a fitness issue. Yeah. You know, you know, Tom Stewart is probably an Irish number two in waiting, you know, in the next couple of years. He's phenomenal talent. Um so, you know, it's just frustrating. It's just frustrating. Yeah, exactly. And look, after that game, it's probably realistic the sales are in deep, deep trouble. Five losses and six games, albeit some of those games are, are trickier than others and you might not expect to necessarily win them, but it's the manner of the defeat and the fact that Ulster could be winning, but they're just throwing throwing leads away. What, what's going wrong mentally? There's probably a bit of pressure on Dan McFarland now, as well as some of the backroom staff. The defence uh, hasn't been where it should be, uh, I would argue. It's a recurring problem. Problem, the poor game management, the error count being too high, Ulster being on the back foot for quite a lot of the game and playing catch up. Now, in fairness, to, in that game, I think Ulster probably dominated overall in terms of possession and, and territory, but it's converting uh, that into points has been has been the issue. So, given the talent in this squad, and this is what I keep saying, I wouldn't be annoyed if I thought we didn't have a good squad. Do you know you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't make a fuss? But I think we have such a good squad. I don't want to see it wasted. It's, it has to be a mental issue uh, and, and a bit of a, a crisis of confidence. So, look in terms of why Ulster keep throwing games away. I mean, we've t- we've touched on it, but this is a, a, one of the listeners. Uh, I don't know his real name, uh, McFridgerator. Uh, he asked on Instagram, "Why can't we close out games?" It just seems to me it's just it's just a confidence concentration issue. You know, the players are good enough. Um, going back to a previous life, you, you know, these are things you can work as a training. You work, you know, you're you're defending your line, you're defending a, a four point lead with two minutes on the clock. You work through these scenarios. Um, so it's just to me, it seems like they've lost that loss to Leinster, having been so much control has obviously hit the squad harder than we realised. And then you, you know, you rocked up the week later and you had Sale and then the La Rochelle, the backup, you know. But against La Rochelle, we, we, we nearly pulled off the impossible comeback. So I always argued with people who said to me, oh, the team have lost their bottle or they've lost. They haven't. They're a good team. It's just that they've got to get past this last seven, eight minute thing they have. If you go back to Stormers match last year, um, the semi-final, you know, we had control of that match. 
and then we just started kicking the ball away badly and invited them back into it. And it's just a case of having, I think we need, and it's nothing against Billy, but we need maybe an, a 10 that will, you know, just control the game, you know, playing the right. If you look at, I watched the Munster-Leinster game on Boxing Day and see R- Ross Byrne control that last 10 minutes. That's what we need. Someone who'll just say, right, settle down here. Okay, we're in control now. Let's deal with the kickoff and put the ball back in there, 22, and let them play and keep them there. And we're just missing that at the moment. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said there. I think, uh, you know, Stephen Ferris, you know, we were talking before we recorded about maybe some hyperbole at play there, but, you know, he, he's right in the sense that it tends to be something slightly different every week. And if you look at how Benison scored their points, they scored them all on transition. Um, mm. You know, the try the try at the end came, well, not so much the end, but uh, came from, I think Thomas Stewart got a turnover and then was immediately yeah. turned over by Hidalgo Klein, the backup nine. Ulster have a bit of time to, to number up on that right wing. They don't. Benetton spin it wide and 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 I think it was Brex, wasn't it, who went who went over. Yeah. Um, and then for the first try, the, the Brex cross kick to, to the winger. Um, exactly the same. A, a kick, Ulster's kick chase and transition wasn't yeah. fantastic. The, the 10 Albinoids makes a break. And, you know, I think for straight from the first carry, uh, it was, was it Lamarow, was it Lamarow? Michele Lamarow, I think, makes, makes the carry. Yeah. And uh, it came off 10 and there was three forwards in front of him. Three, and none, none of them were yeah. pressurising the 10. So no. he gives a good flat ball. Um, and Hume actually comes up and makes a really good read yeah. and shuts down the attack. But because none of the other forwards inside him were coming up, there's no one there to yeah. get in over the ball or ch- stop yeah. the ball. And yeah. the pot goes to Brex, Brex kicks it, they score. Mm. So just Ulster's ability to swing back into defensive shape yeah. quickly in transition cost them 14 points there. Yeah. Um, you know, in a what was it, a two-point game. So yeah, yeah we've, we've talked about all the mental errors at the de- at the end and the penalty and what actually caused uh, cost them for um for the for the losing score, but you know they did concede fourteen points to to not being able to to transition quickly from from attack to defense. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Just, oh, sorry, have... Peter. On that point, Nathan makes a great point. When Tom Stewart snaffled that ball on the ground, first mistake, and he's a, he's a kid. He's learning his game still. He's positioning at the ball. You know, he was he didn't position it in the correct way. So that allowed Hidalgo Klein to get back in. But if you watch, and Nathan is 100% on this, the Benetton out half is screaming because he, he sees straight away that two of the players, he's got a four on three, and two of the Ulster players are Nick Timoney and Dwayne Vermeulen. And he knows all he's got to do is put that ball through the hands and he'll take us on the outside. And that's what we're missing. You know, I, I saw a couple of instances, and I don't know Nathan pick him up during the game, where if we had moved the ball that wee bit quicker, Back against the grain, we could have had a couple of more tries, but well, it's very it hard. The, it worked for the O'Sullivan try. That came yeah. from yeah. a late swing from Timoney yeah. around the blind side, yeah. and Cooney popped it. Yeah. He makes a good carry. Yeah. O'Sullivan's yeah. running through a, a retreating line. So yeah, they, when they did do it, it worked well. But like Nathan, if you if you see if you if you think about it, if Timoney has got his head buried in a rock, or Cooney has his head buried in a rock, and he's trying to get a ball out and get it away. If there's no one outside him demanding the ball or directing traffic. It's very hard for a nine to see all that happening. And I, it's just something that I've seen it's happening now on a consistent basis, that we are not taking the chances or getting the points. Um, if you look at our la- the amount of trips we have into the opposition 22, go back even 
against Sale when we had no points. We still got into their 22 and came away with nothing. And it's a question that has to be asked, you know, yeah. what's happening here? Yeah, yeah. Right, in terms of, this is a question, so we, we touched on last week, that Niall McDonald on Instagram asked this, do you think Dan has lost the dressing room and or taken his eye off the ball since being linked with Leicester? So we talked a wee bit about that last week. If you didn't hear Dan McFarlane linked, he's just in a short list for uh, the Le- Leicester job. Um, and now that's again we don't know how interested in it he is or whether um that, that's something which is realistically going to happen but what i want to add to that is where are ulster going wrong is it tactics personnel and the squad coaching and uh, i direct that to all of you or any of you any ideas where or ulster i mean who would you put the if, if you had to put blame on someone who would you put it on mainly i'll uh, i'll come in there um I, I don't like um, sort of picking out uh, people and and, uh, and apportioning blame because we don't know uh, we don't know what the uh, relationships are currently between all the coaching staff at Ulster Rugby. There were a couple of changes over the last couple of years, and I think and I've said it before a couple of times. Our biggest loss this season has been Jared Payne. Yeah. Uh, good defence uh, creates good attack because you're in the right position. If, and if you do get the opportunity to go, then, then you can go. Uh, and, I, and I think that was one of the things that Payne was very, very good at. We were better organised, I think, previously um, when we were uh, uh, in defence but also better organised in, in transition when we got hold of the ball. And that's one of the things that I that, that, that I would pick up on. Um, the other thing, the other question you've asked there, has Dan lost the dressing room? I don't think he has. Um, I don't think Ulster players are that type of, of, of a group that would turn on their coach. Even in the darkest of days, I don't think the players turned on the coach. Um, so I think what is frustrating for us... Um, and I'm sure Dan and, and his fellow coaches and the hierarchy at Ulster Rugby are working their butts off to try and turn this around. I think the frustrating thing is, for me certainly, is that a lot of what we have done badly over the last five weeks has been repeated, or the last five or six games. It, it has been repeated. The same things are happening. And that's frustration for me. Um, and, you know, if you were doing that in your day job, Peter, uh, and making mistakes, I think your bosses will be calling you out on it. So mm. we don't know on the training pitch. We don't know what's happening in the team meetings uh, behind the scenes. There are none of us, we, you know, you, we can pr- predict and we can assume uh, what's going on. But that for me, if we can clear that up, I think we're back to where we were. Um, I go back to a couple of things in that game where we had pretty good attacks going. One, Jacob Stockdale gets tackled down near on the on the touchline and makes a silly attempt to get the ball and keep the ball in play where probably he would have been better off just accepting the fact that we're going to go into touch and go on from there. And there was another one, I can't remember who, who it was, uh, and it was a similar thing. We, we 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 got rushed in, def- in uh, by their defence, uh, and uh, there was a bit of a a a a, a and fro on at a at a rock. The ball came out, went back in again, blah blah, uh, and we ended up in both those occasions going from what looked like half decent attacks inside their uh, their ten meter to twenty twos, and we ended up back and and defending in our own twenty two, and that that that. that 
to me was was uh, that's been happening too much over the last three or four weeks, and we need to be looking after that ball a lot better, making better decisions. Uh, you know, when when we do get into those situations, they're all they're all uh, professional players, a good lot of them with international experience. They should be able to think quickly on their feet and say, right, this is a case where I need to keep this ball in my hands uh, and get in, present, or or whatever, and not throwing stupid, uh, trying to throw stupid offloads that puts uh, your either your teammates under pressure or allows the, the opposition just to come and steal the ball. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And look, it's it's been one of the biggest capitulations I can remember, you know, and these things go in cycles and a lot of older fans have reminded me, uh, you know, these things do happen occasionally and uh, I've seen some of them, but they say, look, this is the nature of things. Teams just go through periods like this. But guys, uh, for, for Tom and Nathan, like, is there any other sort of ideas that you have as to what's happening here? Is it tactics, personnel, problem with the coaches? As Ian says, look, we're probably largely speculating, but do any of you guys have any uh, suspicion or inclination towards one of those? From what I can see at the moment, Peter, is we're we're moving to more uh, kicking off nine base game. And if you look at the players and even with Kitsoff coming in next year, that's we're kind of caught at the moment between the game we did play and this new roof we're going down. And maybe now, you know, our, the players are not 100% sure of the system. Um, the accuracy isn't there Um and if, you know, to be fair to Dan, he's been back, you know, Kitsoff coming in next year is a huge signing. Um, best scrummager in world rugby, great jackler, um, brilliant at close quarter stuff. Um, and he's obviously decided, OK, we're going to have the front up here and we're going to play this way. So maybe at the moment, this is a necessary medicine we have to take for the long game. But um a lot of the stuff we're talking about can be fixed. You know, the defensive, as Nathan said, look, the defensive mindset, you know, James Hume made that great uh, read for Benson's second try, but the three forwards on his inside didn't come up with him. They just stayed back and it allowed Brex to come around, pick up a ball and side kick a ball across uh, uh, Nakatawe and he walks in over the line. You know, these are things that can be fixed. A kick chase can be fixed. So that's the hope that I have, that the things um, that are going wrong at the moment are not huge fixes, but we have to improve our accuracy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, Tom, I agree with you. Um, and I never said there, but the one thing that sticks with me is, uh, yes, those are all fixes. And individually, they're not that um, difficult fixes. But why aren't we fixing them? That, that's, that has to be the question. We're now into going into game number seven since the Leinster game, and we're still making those same mistakes. Yeah, well, we, haven't fi- we haven't fixed them. So if they're easy fixes, why aren't we fixing them? And, and, and uh, who is responsible? You know, if it's on the player side, well, take them out and put a player in who'll do the job, even if they're a kid. Or if they're one of our younger guys, you know, we've, we've, we've got good options. You know, we've, you know, David McCann is one of the best number eights I've seen. And any of the, you know, Reuben Crothers is the closest thing to Josh van der Fleer in this country playing. You know, these are lads that have, you know, we're probably chomping at the bit to play. Yeah, well, yeah. The thing is, uh, two, two years ago, Dan had no uh, issue, or two, three years ago, Dan had no issue whatsoever of throwing these young guys in. Um, yes, I, 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 it's easier to throw them into a team that's uh, full of confidence and playing well, but 
Um, I, I, um, I agree. I, 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 there has been a, a, a lack of exposure for, for some of the talent that we have uh, over the last sort of season and a half. And, um, you know, that's that, that's a slightly worrying trend as well. I know yeah. people have, have criticised um, uh, some of the, you know, some of the, uh, the, 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 the player signings that we have made, that, that they're perhaps not good enough. But it's very difficult to judge uh, uh, on those players if they haven't been given the game time. And I mean, I can point straight away at... Um, uh, Rafael, who has been fantastic over the last two games, uh, so you know there's 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 those guys that are that, that are that are signed to be backups, and they're not you know we're not giving them that opportunity to be a backup, and and uh, you know I take your point about uh, about players if they're if they're being told to do something and they're not doing it, well then you know bring somebody else in, give them that bit of a shake up, and and. Uh, uh, get them thinking a wee bit better about about where they are and and the uh, pecking order at Ulster Rugby. That's it. Yeah, uh, very good points, uh, uh, both of you. And and Tommy mentioned a couple of guys there: Dave McCann, Ruben Crothers. What an exciting back row that would be if you brought those guys in. Now you don't want to feed them to the lions, or use them as cannon fodder, which has sometimes been done in the past. Uh, I'd be, I suppose, you need to, in an ideal world, you gently gently introduce those guys, but you get to a certain point where you just need to mix things up, as you say, and create competition for places. Um, so, Peter, we're very, we're very predictable uh, in certain elements of our game um, you know and we signed people who um, for me we're, we're going to give us that wee bit of a variation but we're not using them mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, we have two scrum halves two excellent scrum halves don't get me wrong but they both play the same game so where if you look at Munster and they start with uh, with uh, Conor Murray for 55-60 minutes they play the Conor Murray game and then they introduce the little fast guy mm-hmm. that is sniping up uh, who, who's who's in the faces of, of, of everybody else now we signed a guy McDonald to yeah. do just that and he hasn't got a game yeah you know we've signed we've, we've brought Flannery now he's, he's, he's different he offers something different but yet he's not getting onto, onto the pitch he got that one game against Zebra I thought he performed pretty pretty well in an overall poor team performance even though we did win that and maybe that's where our rock started back in that game rather than at half time in the Leinster game but anyway those guys were, were, were to me were brought in to give a bit of variation and yeah. there is no variation yeah. and no. Tom says we've gone to this kick 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 off the off scrum half and unless your accuracy is is there it's 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 just not working for me and yeah. uh, i'd like to see a bit of variation uh you know the 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 the, the fact that we you know we played Nathan Doak at ten in a game uh, when we have a, a young fella who's you know chomping at the bit to to, to get out onto the pitch and perform yeah, those weird. are questions to me those are questions not for those are questions for the preparation and the coaching staff yeah. and I'm not like I'm not advocating that Dan's go or anything like that um, uh, for sure but I just I, I, I have to continually question why we keep doing the same thing <laughs> it's a sign week. of madness isn't it Ian <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Yes, absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. So, in terms of in terms of Michael McDonald, he arrives, gets in the emerging Ireland team, having played a few minutes of a friendly for Ulster, and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. we we think he's destined for big things. And in terms of individual players, I want to, c- to come back to you, Nathan. Um, uh, in terms of the performances, who would you pick out there as uh, both in good and bad? Tell us about some of the individual performances. 
I think McDonald's went and emerged in Ireland just because none of the other provinces would release, like Casey didn't get released or something like that. Anyway, um, and he's next next cab off the rank. Um, individual performances, yeah, uh, Timney was immense. His carrying was good. Just, you know, we spoke last week about how against Munster they picked a back row that doesn't have any carriers in it uh, with Jones, Raffle and, and Vermeulen. Vermeulen is just, he's not a ball carrier at this stage of his career, so it was good to get Timney back in there. It wasn't good for go forward. His carry was instrumental to the O'Sullivan try and uh, he was heavily involved in the second half, especially especially in the build-up to that last attack that uh, Stuart Stumore nearly went in. Um, I thought McCluskey was very good, actually. Um, he wasn't the barnstormer in massive carriers off 12 McCluskey, but his distribution was excellent. Um, I thought I thought he really linked things nicely, especially when they played off Billy Burns a little bit more than they do, um, rather than just going off Cooney all day. So when it went wider, McCluskey was there, he was linking things nicely. Um, it probably meant that Hume got skipped out a little bit and he was quiet as a result. Um, I know there's list, you've got lists there of those who are good and those who are bad. Uh, controversial opinion, I actually don't think Stockdale is that far away uh, from us saying that he's he's playing very well. I know we were saying last week he's he's almost beating his first man and beating tacklers, but like he's getting scragged down. You know he's he, he's you know he's not doesn't quite have the power. He's but he's still making gain lines with most of his carries. Um, and not a lot of Ulster players, particularly as, as we've mentioned with with forward play, are are do, they're not doing that. Um, you know McCluskey is our first phase and Timoney is, but no one else is really making defenses work as hard as he is now. Offloads that don't work, as Ian has mentioned, and there was an instance in the second half where he's running a decoy line across Burns and he's too he's too deep and Burns just throws it straight into his chest and it goes forward you know incidents like that can color our performance and they and they do because you know they cost you attacks in good positions um but i think you cut those out i think we're talking you know cutting out the drops against monster when his own fans are giving him a bit of stick uh I think he's not playing badly. Um, he's he's breaking gain lines. Now we've said before, Ulster system doesn't ask their wings to be their busiest players as it, as Ireland system does. So you know maybe he's not being helped there. But I actually I actually look at how he's making defenders work and, and making gain lines plenty of times. And, and I don't think he's a million miles away. Um, he was by no means excellent against Benetton. You know you could argue whether whether he was good or not, but he had enough good touches I thought to be um to be intriguing. Um, he put it this way. I think he's, you know, he he had more positives than in attack than than his opposite. Uh, Bob Bob Balakun. Balakun was good in the air, but I thought quiet, quiet in attack. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there were there were some positives to take away. I think Timoney, and we'll talk about this in a second. But in terms of international hoops, I think Timoney because he can play right across the back row as well, and look, he's in, he's in he's in good form, and uh, his carry in setting up the I think it was the uh, Eric O'Sullivan try was excellent. So. Um, I want to talk about another O'Sullivan very quickly. So it was just Eddie O'Sullivan during the week, and I just thought it was an interesting quote, and he's quite positive about Ulster, or at least um, talking on Northern Irish radio, he was very positive. He may, maybe just knew his audience. But he said, at the start of the year, the way Ulster were playing, we were talking up that this Ulster team could win silverware this year, and there's no reason to doubt that until six or seven weeks ago. Suddenly, that's all in the air, but it's still redeemable. And I think like, all of us hopefully agree that like it might not be a dream season for Ulster, but we can certainly salvage uh, something. And I want to jump ahead a wee bit. I want to ask you, Tom, are you hopeful that Ulster can turn things around? Do you still think we can salvage something? Yeah, you know, take next weekend. Um, you know, all, <laughs> all the rugby uh, know-how will be saying that we're on a hiding to nothing going to La Rochelle. Um, they're just off the back of breaking their Toulouse hoodoo. But if we, you know, if you go back to the game in the Aviva, 
and you look at La, La Rochelle and how they defend, um, they keep their back three very deep. So it leaves a lot of grass just behind the front-line defence. Now, they use a blitz defence. Um, now, Dante is out. He's out injured. And that's a big, big loss to them because it leaves them with probably either Favre and Rule in the centre or they may put Bottia back out to 12 to try and compensate for Dante with Stu Mack coming down the line against him. Hello the Red Hand listeners, this is Jonathan Moore from SS Moore Sports in Belfast. We're just opposite the front door of the City Hall onto Chester Street where we've been since 1950. We again, like most other years, carry a full range of the Ulster rugby product. We do hoodies, tees, polos, jackets, gilets, scarves, hats, luggage. We do adults and kids. And that can be seen in store or online at ssmsports.co.uk. Hope to see you guys soon and don't forget, shop local. William Carlyle Coaching, helping yo-yo dieters stop living their life on a diet and achieve long-lasting fat loss results. We've helped hundreds of dieters ditch the strict, boring and bland diets whilst losing 15 pounds minimum in 90 days. This is all done with the Fit for Life Transformation Programme. It's the counterintuitive approach to weight loss and will change your life forever. If you want to know more, grab your phone or pen and paper to write down my social accounts. On Instagram, it's at William Carlyle Coaching. On Facebook, it's just William Carlyle. If you'd be interested in learning more, drop me a message and let's chat. But instead of, if we if we don't kick deep and we just find grass just behind the blitz and we get Hume and Stu Mack onto that ball, and you know, their pack, once you start moving them, they are in trouble. Their big guys don't get back. And once they don't have a set defensive line and we are accurate, we've got a chance there. And if you take it a couple of weeks ago, was this uh, Poe went down there and beat them and they weren't supposed to have a chance. And they did exactly that. They they chip just played a lot off ten little chip kicks in behind the blitz defence and moved the ball quickly and did not allow La Rochelle to get into their defensive setup and attack La Rochelle close to the ruck where they were running as big props who were blowing or big second rows who were blowing and used their footwork not just run at a body and be knocked straight down use footwork in the carry you know step just before you're coming to contact and I think if we do that we have a chance you know we have a right chance like we went to Toulouse last year you know it's not easy to go to Toulouse and and do what we did last year and we should have had a better outcome Um, so there's no what we don't need this weekend is to get caught in a slugfest with La Rochelle where they're allowed to use their scrum as a weapon use their maul as a weapon and drag us into a fist fight. We need to keep them moving. We need to tire those big guys out. And we need, you know, our kicking game and our defence to be accurate. And maybe kick less off nine, move it to Burns, let him put little chip kicks and grubbers through, you know, use Stu Mack on that in-to-out line and target them, run at them. Hastoy isn't the best defender. They're 10. Get Stewie Mack targeting that line on an into-out move. And, you know, I reckon there's, you know, we've a good chance there. Yeah, yeah. I want you I want you to be on the coaching staff, Tom. Uh, you, you seem to talk a lot of sense. So uh, if any jobs come up, uh, I, 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 I... No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll write your reference. We'll write your reference. Tom, don't worry. No, but I, but it, it, it's just, you know, it's not rocket science. Yeah, exactly, but exactly. If you go back, to, you go back to the Aviva game, they they have Bryce Julen, uh, Teddy Tom, uh, Raymond or uh, Raymond Rule or 
another flyer in the back three. If you're kicking long to them, they will counter-attack all day long. And the way our defensive line is going on kick chase, that's not a good thing for us. Yeah. But when we, you know, go back to Stu Mack's little chip kick for Vermeulen's try. Go back to when we got our defensive back together in the second half and we started corralling Dante in. He lost his discipline. He gets yellow carded. And suddenly we were, instead of playing off nine, we were playing off ten. We were moving the ball. We were moving them around. And we nearly pulled off an impossible comeback. Now, why don't we do that from the start the next day? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We need to, we need, we need to change it up. I was reading, funny enough, there, uh, uh, Alan O'Connor, uh, and he said that we, 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 we've looked at that game in the Aviva and uh, they're going to, you know, they've taken some of the, the learnings from that and we should see some, some different... Um, uh, tactics in this and uh, away game. Yeah, and so. uh, I, I want to turn to Nathan very quickly, and we'll we'll round up in the next couple of minutes here. But I just want to ask Nathan if you were Dan McFarland, what approach would you take for this La Rochelle game? Would you just rotate the squad, send a bunch of youngsters and um, whoever's if it sticks their hand up <laughs> to go to La Rochelle, or would you send a stacked team? What do you think? No, I think it'll go full. We'll go full metal jacket. I mean, he. You know, there was a little bit of rotation here, you know, Stewart and Vermeulen on the bench, that sort of thing. So there's a few changes, you know, there won't be the same. Stu, Stu, Stu Moore might play as well. He might start, but he's not going to play the kids, so to speak. I mean, you know, he's not going to play Izuchuku, McCann, Flannery against La Rochelle away when they were playing Ealing seconds the week before. That's not going to happen. Um as much as you know, it seems like every week I'm calling for them, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not watching their development as well as he is. I don't know. There's obviously something going on. These players that were earmarked by Andy Farrell and Emerging Ireland haven't kicked on, and you know, I think you got to trust them on that. But I mean, from a player's point of view, they hope he goes full metal jacket because the Ireland squad has been picked after this round. Not after, mm-hmm. like it'll be picked by the time Sale come over. So you know, if yeah. half the team's not playing. And they missed their last chance to get into that squad for the Six Nations. They're not going to be very happy. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Who was going to come in there? I was going to come in there. Just uh, uh, you know, the, the cynic in me would say, uh, affect the Ireland squad. Let's let, let's let's get the result in 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 La Rochelle and that, the other thing look after itself. You know, um, maybe think too much sometimes about uh, what other uh, uh, people are, are are looking for, or looking at, uh, yeah. and. Uh, you know, if 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 they don't, if they miss out in their selection, it's because of what happened in the last six or seven games. It's not what happened in, in the game against La Rochelle. I don't think. Well, that's it. And um, on that note, Ian, I want to ask you about uh, what you think Ulster's Ireland representation will be like. Uh, I'm not saying I want a complete list, but do you have any ideas who, mm-hmm. who might be in or out? That you know, in in terms of that recent run of form. Well. I, I I can't see uh, Andy Farrell making wholesale changes. So the the, the the tried and trusted to me will still be there. So you know from point of view of the forwards, you're going to have Herring, you're going to have uh, uh, Henderson, and and you're going to have Timoney. Those those three guys to me are, are nailed on to squad. Um, um and and Kieran Treadwell as well. So yeah. you know those those guys Henderson uh, uh, accepted. Uh, those guys have performed extremely well over the past year and a half for mm. Ireland. So, you know, a, a few bad pl- uh, team performances at all ain't going to change that because, you know, you could look at our our, our players who have played over the last five or six and you couldn't put your finger
finger on one of them who's played really badly. You know, collectively, the team's not performing, but there are still some half-decent performance by a lot of those players. So from, from that point of view, then into the backs. Well, really, we've only really had uh, McCluskey and uh, Rob Balakun uh, putting their hand up for selection in the last uh, in the last while. Uh, you know, you had Larry on the fringes uh, and and so on. Well, you know, I, I, Hume was on the fringes, got injured, uh, hasn't really just got to the form that he was this time last year, where where we were all talking about taking Gary Ringrose's position. Um, so that ain't going to happen soon. Um, the issue there will be you have you have one or two guys playing that the other problem playing pretty well. So those fringy ones might you know they might struggle to get into the to the squad. But I still think we're going to have those sort of uh, six seven guys uh, who, who are going to be there and they're going to be right right through to when the 33 are picked uh, for the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. So that's it. In the list that I sort of um, put together, I'd say there's seven guys um, and that may be reduced to six depending on how things go in the next week or so. So look, I think we've we've gone on and it's been great discussion, but I want to wrap up with um, a, a quick uh, quote from Eddie O'Sullivan. You can tell I've read an article uh, extensively quoting Eddie O'Sullivan, but I think it's, uh, it's quite good to end on so he is quite positive he says Ulster could still qualify in Europe if they have if they can maybe pick up a bonus point uh, against La Rochelle then beat Seal at home the following week so they're right there in the URC four, uh, fourth in the table 38 points is that so still right uh, fourth um, 38 yeah. points uh, and they've uh, won seven and lost four they're in a great position I, I quite like that positivity I'm not sure as many Ulster mm-hmm. fans are, are that positive but um I, I I quite like that and uh I, I think that's not not a bad way to end and look in terms of La Rochelle in a in a sentence guys I'll go through each of you uh whether you think it'll be a win or a loss okay so start with start with you Ian oh right, thanks very much uh Peter look um <laughs> let, let's put it like this and and, and I'm traveling down to La, La Rochelle How are you? With, Class. with with the team uh, on 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 their flight, so uh, I have to be very careful. Otherwise, I can get mugged. Um, <laughs> the uh, the expectations would certainly not be as high as we're going down to Italy last weekend. Mm. Um, but like what Tom says, um, you know, there there was elements of that that uh, performance in the Aviva where we were absolutely superb. And if we can replicate some of that, we will give them a lot to think about. And it's not beyond the realms that we could win. I'm not expecting to be coming back victorious but i'm not expecting us to get um to get lowered right okay yeah and uh carefully chosen words in because I, I know you'll be sitting in close proximity with the guys so <laughs> <laughs> uh tell them what do you think yeah win or loss for Ulster against la rochelle i think we will give a good account of ourselves i'm hoping that we will play closer to what we did in the second half and if we do there's no reason to see uh you know, not to dream that we can get a win there. But I think that we'll, we'll get a bonus point and bring it back to the Kingspan the following week where we'll have a chance to get into the 
last 16. Yeah, yeah, you're all very diplomatic. Um, uh, but Nathan, uh, I want to hear from you. What do you think? Ulster against La Rochelle as a neutral? I'm, I'm glad Ian has managed to get his status as a member of the official delegation uh, confirmed. <laughs> uh, I think Ulster get a bonus point. <laughs> I think Ulster will get a bonus point, be it four try or by seven. Uh, I don't think they get two points, but I they get a, a bonus point in some in some capacity. But but, but we'll we'll lose the match. Well, I I appreciate I appreciate that, and look, I think. Uh, all I want to see from Ulster is a, is a performance. I want to see a good performance. Like, this is a, a mammoth task ahead of them this weekend. So um, that's all I'm going to say on that. And fingers crossed. Uh, strange things happen in sport. I've seen very strange things happen. And you never know. Ulster have shown frightening inconsistency, which can be both good and bad. So we'll see. Okay, guys, thanks so much for your time. It was good chat. And Tom, thanks and welcome to the Red Hand. And we'll have to have you on again at some stage. That was great, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Peter.